Good morning. <clears throat> I want to thank Logan for the songs that he picked out. I just, Blessed Assurance is one of my favorite songs to sing. That the idea of assurance, being assured of something, and how blessed it is what Christ has assured of us. And then to follow that up with Only in Thee just really helps prepare our minds for for what it is and where it is our our salvation comes from and what our salvation should be to us. Blessed assurance. I want to take a moment to to welcome you all out and especially to welcome uh, Joe and Virginia. It's so good to to have you all to to want to place membership with us, to become part of the family. And uh, it just warms our souls to to, uh, have you all here. I also want to take a moment to welcome my mom and dad and brother. I was surprised to see them this morning, so so it's definitely been a, a beautiful sunny day, and it's beautiful and sunny in here. I, I'm really I'm really happy this morning, and uh, I hope that I hope that you are too. We what we want to talk about this morning is uh, is cause for rejoicing. It's it's something that that should break bring all of us. To this emotion of rejoicing and and of bliss. If you want to go ahead and open your Bibles up to Acts eight, we're going to be speaking a little bit about the Ethiopian eunuch, and we're going to see that he had much rejoicing in his life following his conversion. <clears throat> in Acts eight, we're going to read verses twenty six through forty. Excuse me, twenty six through thirty nine. If you would follow along, Acts 8, starting in verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise and go towards the south along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. So he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all her treasury and had come to Jerusalem to worship, was returning and sitting in his chariot. He was reading Isaiah the prophet. Then the Spirit said to Philip, Go near and overtake this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, Do you understand what you are reading? And he said, How can I unless someone guides me? And he asked Philip to come up and sit with him. The place in the scriptures which he read was this, He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, his, ju- <clears throat> in his, humiliation, his justice was taken away. And who will declare his generation, for his life is taken from the earth? So the eunuch answered Philip and said, I ask you, of whom does the prophet say this? Of himself or of some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth and and beginning at this scripture, preached Jesus to him. Now as they went down the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? Then Philip said, If you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So he commanded the chariot to stand still. And both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and he baptized him. Now when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away, so that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. With the story of the Ethiopian eunuch, we have a few exa- we have an example of com- of conversion, but we have an example of someone who who is religious. It said he went up to Jerusalem to worship, yet was still lost. He still had had need for something. We have an example of someone who was willing to learn 
and someone who is open to being taught. As he stops there, he says, get up here with me. And I'm trying to study this. Climb up here in the chariot with me. Help me understand this passage. We have an example of, of someone who was willing to preach the Word, who was willing to teach it. And then we have an example of someone who immediately requested and received baptism. And then we see the joy that he, that he received through that. But this morning, I, I want to talk about his inquiry. The question that he asks, Here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? <clears throat> it reveals that baptism in water was an integral part this thing is not working. That did, though. It reveals that baptism is an integral part of, of salvation. Uh, it, it reveals that it's a part of preaching Jesus, uh, of preaching Christ. And indeed, uh, if we remember over in Mark 16, Christ Himself uh, taught and commanded that, that baptism was necessary. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. His apostles themselves commanded as well. Peter in Acts 2.38, Repent ye and be baptized. But this question that, that the, uh, the eunuch brings up, what hinders me from being baptized? I thought that was, a very, that was a good question to ask. What is it that might hinder one from being baptized? Are there things that can possibly hinder one from being baptized? And are there things that do hinder but shouldn't from being baptized? <clears throat> We're going to try this thing again. It's not going to work, so we're going to sit down. So, or maybe it will. So, I want to talk first about there are some things that actually can hinder one from being baptized. And the first one would be a lack of faith. A lack of faith will hinder one from being baptized. In verse 37, Philip says to him, when he asks, what hinders me? He says, if you believe with all your heart, if you believe, if you have this faith, then... then then uh, you can be baptized. But if you were to not have that, that would obviously hinder you. Again, in Mark 16, 16, that was something that Jesus taught. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not. Go on and say that I don't even need to talk about baptism anymore because if you don't believe, then baptism isn't going to do you any good. <clears throat> John eight twenty four. if we want to flip over there real quick. John 8.24 goes on to tell us to speak a little more on this, on this point. Therefore I say to you that you will die in your sins. For if you do not believe that I am He, you will die in your sins. Yet again, we see that baptism or an, an incapable... I'm sorry, excuse me, belief or an incapability to believe, that would hinder one from being baptized. <clears throat> Lack of repentance... Lack of repentance is another thing that would hinder one from being baptized. In, in verses 36 through 38, when, when we see that he, uh, that he had taught to him Jesus, he would have had to have spoke to him along the lines, if he brought up water baptism, he would have had to have spoke to him about repentance, about changing, about, about what is needed before baptism to become into effect. And in fact, if we go over to the ver- or back just a few verses... To Acts 2, excuse me, I was in the wrong passage, or Acts 2.36, we read, Therefore let all the house of Israel know, assuredly that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now if you want to put yourself in their position for a minute, what had they just done? They had just crucified this man. They had just taken this man unjustly as they knew. And they had 
stripped him and beaten him and spit on him and mocked him and strung him to a cross and killed him. And they knew that they had done this unjustly. And in verse 36, Peter says to them, Let, You need to know that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now we see their reaction to this. When they heard this, they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? What do we do? We, okay, I believe. I believe that He is the Son of God. I believe that He is the Lord in Christ. What's next? What do I do? And Peter responded to them and he said, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. We see, again, repentance being preached here by Peter over in Acts 3, <clears throat> the 19th chapter. Again, repent, therefore, and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Again, for our sins to be blotted out. For baptism to have any effect, we do have to repent. We have, this, have to have this changing of, of I'm going this direction and I see that that direction is wrong and, and the idea of repentance, it comes from a, a word that they would use in, in, uh, if someone was to be lost in the desert, so to say. They would be lost in the desert and they're traveling and they realize they are lost. They're going to turn around. They're going to make a 180 degree turn and go back towards the way that they came. This idea of repentance is that same idea. To turn around, you, know that you, you now realize that you are lost and you are going to make a conscious decision to turn around and, and go the opposite direction. So we can see that through these examples, a lack of repentance would mean that would hinder one from being baptized. It would make a baptism uh, inconsequential. It wouldn't, it wouldn't have the effect that it's intended to have if one just refuses to repent. No, I'm not going to change my ways. I believe that Jesus is Christ and I'm going to be baptized, but I'm not going to change what I've been doing. We see that that would, would, create, would hinder a baptism. And then finally, I, I had to put it in there, a lack of water. Now, we're not going to go into the what-ifs that, that so often frequent uh, the world, but obviously baptism requires water. In Acts 8.36, the, the, the unit, he says, look, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? In, uh, in Romans 6, I want to turn over there, Romans 6, verses 3 through 4, we read what this water does. Or do you not know that as many of us were baptized into Christ, were baptized into His death? Therefore we were buried. We can see terms like this. The word baptism, coming from the Greek word baptizo, we can see that it means to dip, to fully immerse under water. Therefore we were buried with Him through baptism into death that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. We can see again that this lack of repentance, uh, or excuse me, that this baptism washes away sin. And it is because of it, it is a burial. It is where we come into contact with that blood of Christ that was shed on the cross. It is where sin is cut away from our lives. And so if there is no water, well, that... That would therefore hinder baptism. Now, of course, a lack of water is rarely the issue. More often than not, uh, the, the issue is a lack of faith or a lack of repentance. We don't normally fight this water issue. That, that's something that God has made very plentiful in our lives. No, more often than not, we fight ourselves. We fight our own attitudes. And it is, it is this lack that 
that so often hinders baptism. People often allow things, though, that shouldn't hinder baptism to do so. And that's what I want to examine next. What are some things that should not hinder one from being baptized? And the first one I think of is pride. Some are too proud to admit that they need forgiveness for their sins. Some are too proud to acknowledge that they are mistaken about their need for baptism. We, we've seen that, uh, you, might, you might have seen that with someone who, who believes that you can be saved by, by faith alone, or maybe believes that, that a prayer can, can get one into heaven. <clears throat> and upon realizing the truth, upon realizing and studying God's Word, they might be too proud to admit that I was wrong. Proud to admit that this is, this is something that I need. Or maybe someone who's lived in sin, and, and maybe it's a, a quite a public sin. They might be too proud to admit that I need to be forgiven and I need to be repented of that. It might be too embarrassing or too hard to, to come forward and say that I need, I need this forgiveness. And I need, and I was wrong, and I need this baptism to wash this away. And that pride oftentimes will keep people away. Psalms 138 talks, uh, spells this out for us exactly like that. In Psalms 138, God says that pride separates us. In, in, verse, uh, in verse 6, uh, 138, yeah, 138 verse 6, Though the Lord is on high, yet He regards the lowly, but the proud He knows from afar. Think of that. The, the proud, those who have pride, God knows them afar off. He keeps, they're standoffish. He kind of keeps them back. In fact, in James 4, 6, it's going to say that He resists them. <clears throat> if you want to flip over to James chapter 4, in verse 6, where we read, but he, but he gives more grace, therefore, He says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Resists the proud. We think verse 37, where, where we read, and He who loves father or mother more than me, is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. Family is another thing that should not hinder us. It's something that's hard. It's something that we're going to have to take up as a cross and follow after Him. We should not let family hinder us from being baptized. Another thing that I think of is peer pressure. It goes along these same lines, but maybe we're afraid not of what our family thinks, but we're afraid of what our friends think. Maybe they'll, they'll make fun of us or they'll ridicule us for, for our choosing to, to be baptized and to, to follow after Christ. Maybe they'll say, that's, that's just some old, old wives' tale. That's some old myth that these people way back in the first century, they concocted and... Or maybe I've heard even, oh, I can't believe you believe that's something that old King James come up with. And he wrote that. And you, you can't honestly tell me you believe that. We, we can see how there's a great deal or amount of pressure that can be put on one who is choosing to follow Christ. In fact, over in John 12, if you've already turned there, in verse 42 and 43, well, hopefully we, I think we're going to study this more next week. But we see that peer pressure was the reason that many did not follow after uh, Jesus. In verse 42, Nevertheless, even among the rulers, many believed in Him. But because of the Pharisees, they did not confess Him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue. For they loved the praise of men 
more than the, than the praise of God. We see this, this problem has, has been happening for quite some time. Luke 9, <clears throat> in verse 26, For whoever is ashamed of Me and My words, of him the Son of Man will be ashamed when He comes in His own glory and in His Father's and of the holy angels. Peer pressure has, has been something that is, has hindered people from being baptized for centuries, but it shouldn't. In fact, Christ was saying, if you're ashamed of Me, if you're going to let peer pressure keep you away from Me, then I'm going to be ashamed of you. I'm going to be ashamed of you. If you imagine, uh, if, if someone was to, to come to my father, and they, they would come to him, and, and I, I'm your son, I don't, I don't think much of him. I mean, I, he's a pretty good guy, but I don't, I don't think much of him. That's going to change the way that he would think of, of them. And if we kind of consider that in the same, in the same light, if we, how can we come before God and say, I wanted to follow you. I wanted to follow what your son taught, but I really esteemed more what my friends had to say than what he had to say. And I thought about him, but I didn't think enough about him to follow him. We can see again that peer pressure, it doesn't have any reason why it should hinder us from being baptized. My next point, <clears throat> improper understanding, is one that I see the most inside the church of Christ. Inside sound bodies that we, we make mistakes in at times. Because there are those that believe that in order to be baptized, they have to know enough. They have to know enough about, about the Bible. Turn over to Matthew 28. There are those who <clears throat> at times will say... I. I can't be baptized yet because uh, there's just so much in this Bible and I just I don't have a good enough understanding of it yet. Now, maybe I'll make mistakes. Or maybe there's those that say, well, before you baptize that person, they have to understand everything there is to know about authority. And they have to understand everything there is to know about marriage, divorce, and remarriage, and, and, and how we, we spend the church's money. They, just, they need to know all these things. But that's not what Matthew 28 teaches us. In verse 19... We read, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of age. It's wrong to presume that one must know everything about the Bible. In fact, what Jesus is teaching us here, that much teaching is going to come after baptism and not before. We need to make sure that we, that we are focused on the fact that in most cases, most that I can think of, the conversions of the Bible, they came after just one sermon. One sermon. And I imagine when Philip went to the, went to the Ethiopian eunuch and he preached to him Jesus and he said, well, here's water, what hinders me? He said, your lack of authority. No, he didn't say that. But he might have said, well, no, no, you're, are you, let's talk about your married life. Let's talk about what you, uh, what you know about marriage and divorce. No, he didn't say that. He taught him Jesus and he baptized him. We can see later that they would have went to the, that, that this teaching would have occurred. In many other examples, we see teaching to those who have already believed. But one doesn't have to have a certain level of, of under, or a, a full level, excuse me. One doesn't have to have a full level of understanding before baptism takes place. In fact, if one is just simply a penitent believer, as we talked about earlier in things that can possibly hinder, if one is a penitent believer willing to follow Jesus as Lord, 
then that soul is ready. And no further teaching needs to be done until after baptism. Some may also believe that they're not good enough to be baptized. They might presume that, well, okay, I see that I've got to repent. Well, I must have to reform myself also before baptism. But we can look through the Scriptures and see that baptism was never intended for saints. Baptism was intended for sinners. If you want to turn over to Colossians 3. This is rather a, kind of a lengthy reading, but it illustrates this point so well. <clears throat> In Colossians 3, we read, If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Now notice here, in the, right off the bat, we're talking about those who have already been baptized. If then you were raised with Christ, then set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. Now think about that for a minute, just as a side note. The importance of baptism is to hide us in Christ. Is to hide all those things that, that we might have struggled with. All these things that so many people think, well, I have to reform, I have to be perfect. When we are baptized, these things are cut away. These things are hidden. Hidden until a time when Christ returns and where we will appear with Him in glory. So therefore, put to death your members which are on the earth. Again, this is speaking to people who have already been baptized. <clears throat> put to death your members. Uh, that is to say, fornication, uncleanliness, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, covetousness which is idolatry. <clears throat> because of these things... The wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience, in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. But now you yourselves are, put, are to put off all of these. Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man with his deeds. You have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave nor free, but Christ is all and in all. You think about some of these things that he said to put off. Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language, lying. A lot of times we think of these, well, those, are, those are pretty common sins that we should try to put off. But this is not spoke to people who have not been baptized as we remember. After you've been baptized, put away these common things. Things that so many people might go, I'm really bad at at maybe controlling my language or controlling my anger. I I lash out. And I've got to get that under control before I get baptized. No, this is talking to people who have already been saved. Saying, now, put these things away. And then he goes on to say, here's what I want you to put on. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. Now some might read this, and they might, maybe they're just brutally honest. They're looking at themselves and they're like, I'm not, I'm not tender. I'm not merciful. I'm not very kind. I look at myself and I see that I'm not very kind or, or humble. Meekness, I don't have that. Long-suffering, I certainly don't, don't love people. I, that's not, that doesn't describe me. I can't, I can't do this, be baptized because I don't have all these things. But notice in verse 12, 
Therefore, or because you are the elect of God, because you have been baptized, because you have been saved, put on these things. It is something that, that we don't have to have a checklist of requirements, but rather we need to be working towards. After our baptism, we need to be working towards all these different attributes. So again, as I said before, if one has repented, that is to say if one has changed their mind on who it is they are going to serve, beforehand they served themselves, they served the world, now afterwards they choose, it's time for me to serve God. I've repented. That person is ready. And that person should, should not be hindered from baptism by simply having a misunderstanding. <clears throat> and finally, the time of day or, or, or of night. This should not hinder one from being baptized. Some may think that baptism can only occur at a certain time. Now, granted, it's true, we're, we're going to offer an invitation here in just a moment for anyone who has not been baptized. At, at the end of a sermon, this is, is a normal time for people to offer this invita- invitation. In some places, they have special baptismal services where if you, if you want to be baptized, this is taught oftentimes in the world, that if you want to be baptized and, and you, you think that's what you need to do, well, we're going to have a special baptismal Sunday. And on this Sunday, everybody comes down that wants to be baptized and we'll do it then. And, and so often, people actually think that there is a, a special time in which they should be baptized. But I think in Acts 8, the, the eunuch illustrates perfectly that any time, anywhere, baptism is, is acceptable. As he said in verse 38, <clears throat> So he commanded the chariot to stand still. Where were they? Well, in verse, uh, in verse 26, it said they were in the desert. They were in the middle of nowhere. They were in a, in a, a back alley. They were, they were out on the road. Philip comes up to him. I imagine it's probably the middle of the day. And he says, stop the chariots. Let's get baptized right now. Likewise, if we want to turn over to Acts 16. Again, this, uh, in contrast to maybe the middle of the day, in Acts 16, verses 25 and 33, we read of the, uh, the, uh, the Philippian jailer. The next 17. <clears throat> but at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundation of the prison was shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's chains were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awakening from his sleep, seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. But Paul called with with a loud voice saying, Do yourself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for the light, ran in and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? So they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. And he spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them that same hour of the night and washed their stripes and immediately he and all their family were baptized. Immediately. He and all their family were baptized. We don't read that He said, okay, all you have to do is believe on the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and all your household, and then in two Sundays we're going to have a special service and you all come on down and, and you'll be baptized at that point. No, immediately they went out and they got this taken care of. <clears throat> Time or place should never hinder one from being baptized. <clears throat> In just a few moments, we're going to offer this invitation as we talked about. And I hope that through understanding this, if this be your desire this morning to to be baptized, that you don't have to wait 
until this invitation, or you don't have to, to only come at this invitation. Any time of the night, any time of the day that you realize that baptism is something that I need in my life, you can get a hold of anybody at this, at this congregation, anybody at a congregation locally to you, and then you can, you can request that I, I've, I've studied the Bible and I see that, that Jesus is the Son of God and I believe that He is the Son of God. And, and I want to confess that. And I want to repent of the sins that are in my life. And I want to turn my life around. And I want to live a life that's walking towards God and not away from God. And I want this rejoicing that the eunuch felt when he was baptized in verse 39. Because he knew, he believed that Jesus was the Christ. He believed that he had died for his sins and made this confession. And not even to mention, we can assume that he repented of his sins. I want to have that same rejoicing. So as we sang, as I said earlier, that song, Blessed Assurance, if you desire that same assurance of salvation, if you desire to have the rejoicing that the eunuch had, then don't let anything hinder you from obeying the gospel. Don't let anything hinder you from being baptized as soon as you possibly can. And maybe, maybe you've already made steps to, to, to be baptized. Maybe that, that, that you've already done this, but something in your life has come up and has taken away <clears throat> taken away what you have chosen to do. You, you've lost your first love. You, you have fallen a little bit to the wayside maybe. Maybe you've fallen completely away. Whatever it may be, take this opportunity. Take the opportunity now and don't be hindered. Don't be hindered by the same things that hinder baptism. Don't be hindered by pride. Don't be hindered <clears throat> by... by thinking you don't have the right sort of, uh, of understanding. Don't be hindered by all these things that we pointed out before. Now is the opportune time. In fact, says 22.16 says, Now, why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized. Wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Now, why are you waiting? Do what you need to do to make yourself right with God. If it be your will this morning to do so, I encourage you, don't wait as we stand and sing the song that Logan has chosen.